Thank you for listening to this teaching from the prayer room. For more teachings, notes, downloads, or to subscribe to our podcast, as well as information about who we are and our upcoming events, visit our website at tprdfw.com. Well, uh, tonight uh, we're doing something a little different. I, one point that uh, I don't think we've made aware, you guys aware of yet, is we're a few weeks out from diving into the 150 chapters. <clears throat> we are going to start what will be another long investment, and we're going to be doing the 150 chapters on uh, Saturday nights and doing discussion groups. They'll look a little bit different than they did last time, but a kind of a similar flow. <clears throat> and, uh, and so that's coming, and that's going to be, I think, a real rich time for us. We'll, uh, just so that anybody had any question, we'll save the book of Revelation for last, uh, seeing as we just spent a good long while there. Um, and we're not necessarily going to go in any particular order. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to take a little bit of the pressure off of me for this. And I'm just going to say, we're going to do one, uh, for the encounter services that we do one for. Um, and it's just going to be whichever ones. And I'm going to kind of strike off the list as I go and kind of whatever ones I've got inspiration on or feeling it on a little bit. Um, and so we'll march through the 150 chapters on the end times that are in the Bible, um, starting here in a few weeks. Well, uh, Tonight, uh, what I want to do is I actually want to take advantage of the opportunity that we're not in a series, and I want to do a little vision casting. Now, this is kind of specific vision casting. You know, a few weeks ago, I talked a little bit about our journey as a missions base and what the Lord has done in our midst, uh, speaking to us in the early days, even while we were still in my living room, and then bringing us along the journey all these years to now having a functional missions base that's doing uh, most of what all we thought we were going to be doing uh, 17 years ago. Maybe not at a level 10, but at least a level 2, 3, 5 uh, of the d various uh, initiatives that we believed that the Lord had given to us. Well, not the most important, but one of the important pieces of that journey is that we have a building to do it in. And so... Uh, obviously, I'm talking about our building facility that we're in right now, but not only. I'm even talking about our next building, wherever we're going to be after this, because so much of the prophetic promises that we talked about a couple weeks ago in that session all are indicating significant growth, significant uh, need for larger space, dreams about larger spaces, specifically, you know, what it'll look like and feel like. And <clears throat> so what I wanted to do tonight is I wanted to give us a little bit of vision casting. I wanted to kind of um, fatten us up a little bit and bolster our faith to believe for that next step by reminding us of what the Lord did to get us into this building. We have one of the wildest testimonies that I've ever heard before in the storyline of how the Lord got us into this building. And uh, I want to share that again tonight, not just for nostalgia's sake, but to remind us that this is what God is like, and this is how God has dealt with the prayer room in the past. And that was to give us faith to believe for God dealing with us in similar ways in the future. And so uh, I just want to read a couple of verses. Um, Psalm 27, verse 13 says, I am, conf I am still confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That uh, verse had a lot of meaning to us for the season before the Lord moved mightily to get us into this building. That verse meant a lot to us because it was a faith verse. It was a verse 
where we were believing that while we hadn't seen it, the Lord was going to move powerfully on our behalf, and we would see it with our eyes. We would see God being God all around us, providing, protecting, doing wild things. We believed it. We just hadn't seen it quite the way that we were hoping that the Bible was true. Well, we have living testimony of that, how the Lord got us into this space. And I, I just I want to I want to give the testimony tonight. I want to share the story, but really a big reason that I'm sharing that is because this is the longest we've ever been at a location by two and a half times. We've never been in a single spot before as long as we've been at this location. We were in five locations in 10 years, and then we've been in this one for over seven. So that's a good long while we've been camped out. And I know that this isn't the final place that we're going to be. And I, I want to kind of get us thinking because we've started to have some more dreams here, even in these last, I'm going to say two months, maybe even few weeks, more people dreaming about us getting into a new building, a bigger space, uh, and some of the context of that. And so I'm just kind of stirred again that it's important that we realize God is going to move powerfully on our behalf again, and there's going to be a community of people that are doing the missions assignment of night and day prayer, and the Lord is going to move on that community and give that group of people another wild testimony. I, I want us to, uh, as we're doing this tonight, I, I really want us to remember uh, I'm going to read just a quick verse out of uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. It's one of the most repeated exhortations in the Bible is to remember what God has done. And there's a reason for that because by remembering what God has done, remembering it, not reading the story, not reading the Bible verse, but getting in it, attaching emotions to that story and remembering what it felt like when God did that. Or if you weren't around, or I guess none of us were around for the Exodus, which is the most commonly referenced remember, trying to imagine what that was like to be a real live person experiencing these uh, crazy things, these crazy events. Dumb little meme I saw this past week that just made me chuckle. It was a fish talking to his boss about why he was late to work. And the boss was like totally calling him out. and Like, bro, you've been late so many times. He said, no, but really. And then the next screen is the fish stuck on one side of the sea parting. And he can't get to the other and works over on the other side. He's like, really? And I was like, that actually happened to some fish. I mean, <laughs> some fish was trying to get over there and couldn't and just was stuck there. But it's remembering, it's trying to get in the moment, it's trying to uh, uh, posture yourself to actually uh, uh, be in the story instead of just, oh yeah, I've heard that before, trying to remember. So Deuteronomy uh, 5, verse 15, let me find it real quick, yeah, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Now, why do they need to remember? Because there's going to be moments that are going to be faith crisis moments where they're going to actually need to lean on the fact that while we're not seeing God do anything in this particular moment right now, we have seen God do the wildest, coolest, biggest, best stuff, and we're going to need that so we can remember that's the God we're serving. I want to remind TPR tonight of the God of TPR of the way that God has interacted with this ministry in the past in the most irrefutable ways. 
and to remind us of that so that we can continue to believe for what is coming. And again, I don't have a timeline. I don't think it's like next month or I don't know if it's this year, but it's coming. It is coming. We are going to be moving again into another facility that will be much larger, much bigger, and it will all make sense in the timing of the Lord. And we're probably going to need the story I'm going to tell you tonight as part of our help to get us from where we are to where we're going to be. Okay, so let me set the stage a little bit. 2014, we had been renting from a local church in the area that had been very kind to us. And uh, while renting, just imagine any local church letting a house of prayer use their sanctuary at that point 18 hours a day. That is just the craziest, kindest also, they were cutting us the best deal. If they would have charged us per hour, we'd have been really up a creek. But they weren't. They were just giving us the lowest flat rate and letting us use their sanctuary. It was unbelievable, but it wasn't home. It for sure wasn't home. The DNA of that church didn't fit exactly for us. The, uh, the way that the room was set up wasn't exactly a good fit for us. There was a lot about it that wasn't us. So while we were really lucky to have a place, it, it for sure wasn't our place. And we needed our own place. And every morning... I would pray uh, for the 5 a.m. set. I would spend, you know, at least a few minutes pacing in the back. Now, that was one thing I really liked. It was very long back pacing lane. I mean, it was the longest. I loved that. I did. That was one thing I really appreciated. It was dimly lit, so you didn't feel like anybody could see you. And just, I mean, it was a long old pacing. Now, if anybody ever got in your pacing lane, there was a fist fight for sure. But other than that. We didn't have to worry about that because there was nobody coming around the ministry. So there was nobody to fight over pacing lanes or bathrooms or anything. There was just nobody there. Um, but every morning I would pray, say, Lord, I know we're getting out of this building eventually. You've told us. Is it today? Can we get out of the building? Is it, is it time? And every morning I'd hear the Lord say no. And one morning, without any warning that I was aware of, I prayed it and I heard the Lord say, yes, it's time. And I started skipping, literally <laughs> skipping back and forth up down that uh, that pacing lane, uh, because I knew that I heard the Lord, and it was clear, we are, it's time, and so I didn't know, does that mean a week, a month, a year, but I knew we were in the season, for sure it's now time to start giving attention, so as is kind of my way, I mean, we'd been uh, in that space for 20 months, as is kind of my way, when the Lord will start to give direction, I normally just plow forward, and the Lord pours out grace on it, and a lot of times it works out, and so I went and uh, I went and saw two buildings uh, in that next few days. And I wasn't thinking we were going to get one of these buildings. I was just trying to figure out how much are buildings these days. How much does it cost to lease? What's available out there? That was really my primary objective was to just figure out what, what the market could bear. Well, the second building that I looked at, first one I was kind of like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess if the Lord did it, but I wasn't really excited about it. The second building I went and visited... I was like, I could see us here. Like this, I think this is a, this, I think this might be it. I was kind of shocked <clears throat> that after looking at two buildings, after just a little nudge in my heart from the Lord about, yes, it's time, I was a little shocked that I, I kind of thought I found the building, which was just not what I expected to have happen that day. <clears throat> well, the building wasn't for lease, and we didn't have any money to buy, so while they were offering a really good deal on the building, <clears throat> I mean, it was a tremendous deal. It was a tremendous deal we still couldn't afford because we had zero dollars. Okay, so you can't buy anything with zero dollars, at least last I checked at Walmart. So, uh, so we, 
so I'm excited about the building's cheap, but I'm like, we don't have any money, so it doesn't really matter. I asked the, um, the realtor, hey, would you ask the owners, do you think they might be open to a lease purchase because we could maybe pull that off? And they said, nope, for sure that won't work. So I told our leadership team about it. And as I told our leadership team, we started to kind of put together some details that the Lord was <clears throat> sowing into the water in a way that we weren't really aware of. Right before that day, that day, the coming days, and really the next two weeks, within inside of a two-week period of time, of which I'm going to say this day that I heard the Lord say it's time, I'm going to say that was day maybe two or three of a two-week period, okay? Within this two-week period, there were 11 dreams about this building from seven different people. So one person had one dream, another person had one, this person had two dreams, this person had two. But there were seven different individuals, and three of the individuals had absolutely no clue whatsoever that we were thinking about moving. So I'm like, I am very much alerted because here we just got 11 dreams. Every day I'm hearing about a dream. I mean, it's, I mean that's a little exaggerated, but only slightly. I, there's all these dreams. I just, I was shocking. And all of the dreams, you put them together, and it was all telling the same storyline. It wasn't a building. It was details about this building. And I was like, Lord, we're broke, and that's our building. And so, yes, we did. The senior staff all started driving over here and doing Jericho marches. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. We, every day, people were driving over here, driving around, and going, Lord, we just claimed this building. You told us it's ours. It's ours. And then on the seventh day, we all did it. We were all doing driving marches. We just do a little, I'm sure it looked so sketch, and we probably just looked like the people to call the police on. They're back again. It looks like they're murmuring under their breath. Um, so we had all these dreams, and uh, so one day, uh, sometime, I don't know, within that two-week period of time, I brought the senior staff over, and I said, hey, let's go look at it, and Lisa Loper was on our senior staff at that time, and Lisa was one of the ones that had had one of these dreams. I just told you there were 11 dreams. She was one of the dreams, and at the time, uh, this building had, had formerly been a youth ministries kind of like youth center, okay? And all the colors in here, it was the, if you took off this whatever color cream off the walls, you would see a million of the brightest hyper-colored blues and yellows and greens and everything's in swirls and Bible verses and musical notes, and it was very blinding. Everywhere in here was just color, color, color. Well... More or less, that was the setup right over there. was kind of the setup of the front of the room at the time. And we walk in, and as soon as we walk in, we walk in kind of that way. Lisa over there, there was a gap there. We put that wall in, but there was a gap over there. Lisa walks in, and she stops in her tracks, and she says, Brad, guys, the dream I had, I was in this room. I was standing right here, right where I'm standing right now. I was in this room in my dream. And, of course, we're like, well, okay, okay then. I mean, she said she saw these two poles. She saw the colors. Said she was in this room. I was like, that is about as intense as it gets. Very clear confirmation. So what we do is we're going to need about 10 miracles to pull this off. Turned out it was going to be more like 13, but the Lord was kind and didn't let us know about those extra three at the beginning, Okay. And so I write up on a whiteboard the single most impossible, convoluted plan of action imaginable. Because the first plan of action is get a crazy miracle. 
And you can't move on to number two until the first miracle has happened. And miracle two, or number two, is a bigger miracle than number one, and so on and so forth, all the way down the list, okay? This is like asking God, like, for a shopping list, and you just submit it to him. And on your shopping list is, like, somehow bring me the Titanic, you know, uh, I, I also want to, you know, see the lost city of Atlantis. I mean, you're asking for the most bizarre, impossible things. And the whole senior staff, as I, I wrote it, and then I brought them in with this smug look on my face, like, look what I did. I want to show you guys the plan. And they just look at me, and they're like, at one point, we all just start laughing out loud hysterically about how dumb the plan is. And I go, well, this is the only way it can happen. And everybody's like, fine, it's still ridiculous. Like, there's no way. And yet, all this, I was like, well, we got to get on board. And we all got on board. Somehow or the other, this leadership team got on board with the single craziest, most impossible plan ever. So I'm just going to read you the list here that we started off with. We need the seller to take a lower offer than we already had the, lower, the low price that they were offering, which was well under the market. We needed a lower offer, a lower, a lower number. We needed a private unsecured loan for $50,000 as a down payment because we had no money, but we needed a down payment. But to have a down payment, we had no money. So we needed somebody to give us a loan for money that we could then use as the down payment because, yeah. We needed a second loan for $200,000 that we couldn't qualify for because... We'd been trying to qualify for loans for years. Why didn't we have a building? We didn't have a building because we couldn't qualify for loans. So all of a sudden, now we need the Lord to give, make somebody think it's a good idea to give us a loan now, even though no one would ever give us a loan before. We needed $65,000 for the remodel, of which we had zero of that so far. We needed our broke community to start giving an additional, what we perceive to be $6,500 a month to be able to make all this work. We needed a believable plan fast before someone else bought the property. So we needed this to like, we needed to be making headway fast so that we could buy this property so that it didn't get bought up by somebody else. We needed the town to grant us a special use permit, which was a zoning uh, issue because this building wasn't zoned to be able to use it the way that we wanted to use it. And there were lots of reasons we were learning why that was going to be trial. That was going to be a, a, a trying uh, thing. And then we needed to convince the whole community that all of this was a good idea. So we start down this road, and the very first thing that we need is we've got to figure out, you know, how we're going to do this price. How, what, how are we going to do this? We are not loanable. We tried several times. And so I, I'm out trying to get us a loan, and I just went to the first place uh, that I thought, you know, well, whatever, first place that came to mind, uh, had a long list of uh, lenders that we were going to approach. Um, and, uh, and, you know, so I'd started the process, and things were looking a little better than I thought they would. But our biggest issue was we knew we were going to need a $50,000 down payment, but we didn't have that money. So our plan, again, this crazy plan that I came up with is maybe someone will really like us and they have money they don't need, and they'll let us borrow it, and, and that way we can pay them back because it's very believable that we'll be able to pay them back because we are so, yeah. So, so 
we asked somebody, the first person we asked, or might have been the second, but it, I, it was the one that we were thinking of, might have been the second person, said, yes, I will loan you $50,000. I believe in this ministry. I believe in what you're doing. I will loan you the $50,000 so that you have a down payment so that you can get a real loan. Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Well, we're, we can't believe this, uh, this detail, but then we get a, a phone call or whatever. We, we, we hear back from the person. Hey, actually, um, I don't have the money to loan you the $50,000. Okay. Okay, that's bad. No, it's really okay. Why is it okay? I'm going to take out a loan from my company that I work for. I've worked for this company for a lot of years. It's a big company, Fortune 500 kind of company. And they have a deal where employees that have worked there for a long time can take out private loans from the company. And I'm thinking, I am feeling very uncomfortable about this. <laughs> and then they say, and I won't charge you the, uh, the rate, the, the uh, interest. interest. Thank you. Why couldn't I think of the word interest? They w I won't charge you the interest I'm getting charged. You're going to give us an interest-free loan for $50,000. He goes, well, no, because they won't, lend, they won't loan me $50,000. I've, I've only been there X number of years. I only qualify for $37,000. You go, okay. He said, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get a loan for $37,000. I'm going to give you the money. I am not going to charge you interest. And I have $13,000 in my bank account that I'm going to give you. Give you 13. Take out a loan for 37 and not charge you the interest. This is like, this is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I am so glad you are about 60 years old. Otherwise, I wouldn't even believe that there could be any way this could be wisdom. This is crazy. I cannot believe that this person would do this. And so it's so a friend of the ministry, somebody that's, that loves us but isn't around. And I'm thinking, you just, you're giving us $13,000 cash. This is crazy. So I'm like, okay, we got it. Well, I'm talking with the, uh, the loan officer. And for the first time in however many years, the loan officer is actually going, you know what? I think we might be able to make this work. The biggest reason for the loan officer's willingness to talk to us was we're buying the building at such a lower cost, or at least we're hoping to buy the building at such a lower cost from what it's actually worth. So the lender is going, well, maybe you wouldn't be loanable in most circumstances, but this building is worth this, and you guys are buying it for this, or at least that's what you're hoping, because the owners were selling it for this, which was a good bit under market. I mean, by like, $120,000 under market. So, so the lender's going, well, there's $120,000 worth of equity, so if you guys run away, we'll just take the building and we're in the green. So, so the lender is actually willing to work with us on this. I go, okay, well, that's, that's cool. So as soon as I get, the, I get a secured understanding from the individual that we're going to get the $37,000 and the $13,000, and that I hear from the lender that this might actually work, first thing I do is I call the realtor. Now, it's been some weeks at this point because we've been praying and all the stuff and trying to get stuff together. I call the realtor and I go, hey, uh, I, it's me. I'm, I got the money. We're going to do it. He goes, oh, it's under contract. 
I go, well, that's horrifying. He, he, goes, he goes, yeah. And I said, well, I mean, is it, I know enough about real estate to ask a couple of questions. And I was like, well, how solid of a deal is it? What's his funding look like? And he goes, uh, he goes, this guy has a very solid plan. He's a cash buyer. He's an investor. This isn't, you're not going to get this. Like this, this isn't going anywhere. And I said, well, we'll see. And uh, he said, he said, what? I go, just call me if something changes. He goes, okay, but I'm telling you, this looks really solid. So you really probably want to figure something else out. And I hang up and I go, in Jesus' name, no. So that's our building. We had 11 dreams. I bet that guy didn't have 11 dreams. We bought the building. So that's ours. And so, so what we do is we have the craziest couple of weeks leading up to our senior staff work retreat. So I have that conversation with that realtor, whatever day it is. We've got like two weeks before we're supposed to go on our senior staff work retreat. Every year, our senior staff goes out of town. The word retreat is really a lie. It's just a, it's a trick that I put in there to get them to come. Uh, we just have a long meeting for two days, okay? And we just work, work, work. And, but the plan on this work retreat, like the entire objective of us going out of town for this particular work retreat is to work on the details of how to get into this building. Work out how we're going to do this fire on the altar at two places or, or rather the fire on the altar at one place while we've got everybody over here working and, and what's the timeline going to look like and what do we need to do. And how to, our whole plan for this work retreat is to spend a couple of days that we have to plot how to make this whole thing work. Meaning if the contract, if the building is under contract, we're wasting our time because we're not going to get the building and it's a waste of time to go out of town and talk about all that. So what we do is we change the rapid fire topic of the ministry. We say, Lord, Here's a rapid fire topic in a, in a nutshell. Lord, let the person who has a contract on this building cancel and get a better deal somewhere. So we're not praying curses on them. We're just saying, Lord, let him get some better deal. Help him have a better thing, but not this one. This one's ours. And so we start praying. Every two hours we're praying this. Well, the two weeks goes by, and now it's time for the senior staff to go out of town. Because we've got it on the calendar. We've taken off, you know, different responsibilities and stuff. We've got this date set. And so we're set for the senior staff work retreat. And the day before, it's still, I mean, well, I guess I didn't, I hadn't heard from him the day before. I'd called, you know, I was calling about every three to five days at that point. This guy's getting really tired of me. I'm like, hey, has he canceled yet? No, that is not going to happen. It's a very solid deal. Every time I learn a little bit more, and it actually makes my asking seem dumber and dumber. Okay? And so... I don't hear from him. It's now the day of. We're going to leave at about 11 o'clock or something to get in the car and go. It's 8.30 in the morning, and I call the realtor. And I said, hey, hey, today, today, right? I go, Has, you have, have you heard anything? He said, yeah, the deal looks perfect. He's not canceling. Like, everything is great. His finances are coming together. We've got a closing date. It's only, I don't know, some short period of time out, like, this isn't happening. I'm sorry. It's, it's done. And I was like, hang up on him. And I have a good conversation with the Lord. And uh, so anyway, so we get in the car and we're driving to the work retreat. Okay. We're all in one car. That was 830 in the morning. It's now 1130. We've been in the car for 30 minutes and the phone rings and it's the realtor. And I look at everybody and I go, that's the realtor. And they all get real quiet. And I pick up and I go, yes. He goes, well, you're not going to believe it. I go, yes, I will. And he said, he said, the guy just canceled. I go, okay, good, good. He goes, 
He said, the guy, he, he tells me, he's flabbergasted. He can't even, he's spilling the beans. Like, you're not supposed to say this stuff as the realtor. But he's like, he's like, the guy is a CPA. He's loaded. He's an investor. He's got lots of different properties. This is a really good deal. He knows it's a good deal. He called me to say, I know it's a really good deal, but now it's tax season and I'm busy. So I'm not going to take this really good deal because I'm too busy right now to close on this. So I'll have to, you know, get another property another time. So I'm going to cancel. The realtor is calling. He, he is shocked because the measure of perseverance I had, it's like he knew I knew something, you know? And so he's like, well, do you want it? I go, yes, we do. And so everybody in the car is like quiet screaming, you know, until I get off the phone and then it's pandemonium for sure. And uh, so I tell them all what's going on, and we're like, okay, well, great. So now we don't have the, so, but the, the rapid fire topic is, Lord, cancel the deal on the building so that we can get it. So I call uh, whoever the section leader was. I say, hey, it's time to change the rapid fire topic. We got, uh, the, the thing has been canceled. Okay, so what's the next rapid fire topic? Well, the next one is Paige Turner. Come on. All right. Uh, the next one is we still need a loan because this guy just told me, okay, the contract is canceled. Now, Brad, do you want to submit a contract? Well, you know I do. Okay, well, who's your lender? You know what? I'll tell you tomorrow. <laughs> and so we changed the rapid fire topic. Lord, let the lender approve us for the loan while we're on the work retreat, which it's whatever day, we're talking about needing it, we need to know tomorrow. We've been working with this lender for a month and a half, something like that, and we haven't gotten approved yet, and we have been totally told you are not a loanable entity for, for years and years and years, so we're like living on a prayer here, okay? And so we changed the rapid fire topic. Lord, you did good. You canceled the contract. Now give us the loan in the next 24 hours. That's the prayer request. Everybody's coming up to the mic and just praying. Okay, they're on the st senior staff work retreat. God, in the next 24 hours, let them get, a, get, get the loan. Get the loan. I get a call the next morning at, let's see, let me get the time here. 8.30 the next morning. And 8.30 the next morning. Yeah, yeah. 8.30 the next morning. It's the lender. He says, I got good news for you. You're approved. We got you. You're approved for the loan. However, <laughs> he says, however, you're only approved for $200,000. Plus, you need $50,000 as a down payment uh, because we want to make sure you've got some real skin in the game. So we're like, oh, my gosh. We, we can only buy this building for $250,000. But the asking price is about 28000 maybe 30000 more than that, okay? Which was already the dumbest deal ever for this building, okay? So I call the realtor, and I say, okay, oh, so we've changed, oh, yeah, so we, we call rapid fire, we call the prayer room back, hey, prayer room, change rapid fire. Now we need for the realtor and the buyer to do the dumbest thing ever that is not in their best interest, we need them to sell it to us for less than they've been asking, less than they were just getting it for this other guy, a good bit less, even though it's already a great deal. And we need them to like work all that out right now. 
Okay, so that's the prayer request for rapid fire. So everybody, two, every two hours, people are coming up to Mike. God, you know, let them give it for the, the, uh, the asking price that TPR is submitting because we literally can't pay another dollar than that. Okay, this is the total. We've already taken out a loan with somebody else's money to get the down payment. Now we've gotten approved for the 200. Like we're piecing this thing together and there's just no room for error. So I tell the, uh, I tell the realtor, I go, yeah, um, yeah, we got this. I said, I got the loan, of course. Of course, I got the loan. And uh, got the down payment? Of course I do. You know that. Uh, I said, okay, so, well, what we're going to do is, you know, we'd like to offer $250,000. And the realtor goes, well, they're not going to accept that. And I go, well, you know, that's, that's our offer. And uh, he goes, he says, listen, I've represented this client for however long. They have never accepted an offer under asking price because if you've done a little bit of homework, you know how undervalued the building is. They're trying to like sell it you know, for already a lower number. And I said, yeah, I'm aware of all that. I said, but I, this is our offer. He said, there is no way they are going to accept this offer. I said, you know what? I understand. I appreciate your position. Would you just go ahead and submit it to your client? He said, well, I'll, t- I'll tell them but you just need to know this isn't going to work. I go, okay. He said, also, there's one more uh, uh, issue. I said, what? He said, there's a board that's actually a, an entity that is representing uh, this, because it was the church that had previously owned it. So there's a board that's making the decision about this. He said, the primary board member is on vacation in the Bahamas and is not reachable. And the board has to vote, and the board can't hear about it except through that guy. So I'm going to send your offer to this guy, but he's in the Bahamas. So we're not going to hear back from him for probably a week or two. And when we hear back, then he's going to have to submit it to the board if he's even willing to do that so they can say no. And then it all come back. And I go, you know what? I appreciate all that. If you don't mind, just, just try to get it to him today. Do your best. So we hang up. As soon as we do, we call back to TPR. We go, okay, guys, okay. We got to change the rapid fire topic because now it's not enough that we pray that they accept the offer. Now we need the guy in the Bahamas to get the offer and be in a really good mood because he's on the beach. And be in such a good mood, he'll go tell all the cronies so that all of them can vote together right now. So while we're still on the senior staff work retreat, we can keep working because we need to know that they're going to accept this offer because if they're going to reject this offer, it's over. We can't do anything. So that's now the rapid fire topic. And can you just imagine how worn out everybody was back at the Bates? Like, what are we praying for now? Dude? I thought that, are we praying? That was just this morning. We changed it now. So now they're all praying, Lord, you know, let them guide it on the beach. Okay. So, so uh, let me get my timeline here. All right. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Out of town in the Bahamas. That, that conversation I had with the realtor was at 10 a.m. on the day that we had just gotten our loan approved an hour and a half before that. Okay. So this is all like every couple hours something's happening. So it's 10 a.m., okay? At 4 p.m. that same day, the realtor calls me. And the realtor says, realtor says you're not going to believe it. I said, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> he, said, he said, the guy in the Bahamas, he happened to check his email right when I sent it. And I, he, goes, he goes, he replied right away. Give me a few minutes. I got to talk to the board. And he's like thinking, why would you even want to talk to the board? This is a horrible offer. And so he said, I don't know how they said yes. All of them said yes to your very low offer of $250,000. He says, 
I'll send the contract over. You've got a deal. I said, okay, great. This is, this is great. So then I send back everybody. Okay, guys, we, we got it. We got, we're going to get the offer. We're signing the contract. We got the loan. We got all the nonsense. Here we go, 4 p.m. So that was 10 to 4. So six hours, Bahama time, and we got, we got the deal. Okay? Okay. So now, now we're like, okay, finally, this is like coming together, but now we hit the really hard stuff because now we've got the building and we've already exhausted every effort we could possibly go to get money. We've already done it. We've already done everything we can do. But now we can't just buy this building because it was in such a position that like, we needed to do remodel. I've done enough remodels. I have a little bit of construction background. I did some guesstimates. I just came up with the number $65,000 after I did all the homework and, and stuff, figured out what we're going to do in walls and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to need about $65,000 to do a really uh, simplified version of a remodel on this space. And so we need $65,000 of which we have $0, okay? So first thing we do is we make this fun thing. We put this thing up in the lobby and we tell everybody, okay, look, here's the plan, the master plan. Here's the location. Here's what we want the floor plan to look like. Here's the building. We need $65,000 to be able to remodel this. Right next to this was one of those uh, glorious thermometers, you know, the big thermometer chart. So it's, it's more like this. And this big old thermometer and color it in with red as you get, you know, $1 at a time. And up at the top said $65,000. And so we're trying to get $65,000. That's the plan so that we can get into this space. And we are going to be bleeding turnips dry because nobody in our community has any money. Okay. So the plan is to get $65,000 so that we can do this thing. Okay. Well, in the process of that, I don't, I, I'm not going to go into all the why if you are really interested. This whole story that I'm telling is actually the abbreviated version. There's a lot of details. It's almost twice as long to tell that it's in our prophetic history. So if you're interested in the more details, you can go listen to it. It's on uh, line. I think it's session number nine. Okay. So I'm not going to go into the details, but just know that the Lord did a lot to lead me and get me believing we should be praying to the Lord, uh, Luke chapter 11, the parable where the, uh, the, the guy goes to his neighbor and he's banging on the door in the middle of the night. And he says, get up and give me bread that I might sit before, uh, sit it before my friend who came to me uh, unannounced. Like, oh, I didn't know this, this friend was coming and I don't have any food for him. So knock, 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 neighbor, get up and give me bread. And it says the neighbor will not get up and give him the bread because he's his friend. But because of his shameless audacity, he will get up and give him as much as he wants. And so we're like, we are locking in to Luke 11 and Lord, congratulations, you are going to get worn out because here we come. We are going to pound on this door because we have no hope for $65,000 in the natural. Maybe $65 if we pulled everything, okay? $65,000 is an impossibility, but we're saying, Lord, you brought us into this position. We are, we're praying, get up and give us bread. We want $65,000, and this is where it gets a little complicated. If it's confusing to you, I'm sorry. We were praying for $65,000, but we said specifically of that sixty-five, dollars we wanted a $50,000 single gift. So yes, we need a total of sixty-five. dollars We'll inch our way there, but somewhere in there, we want God to move on somebody somehow to give us $50,000 in a check, in a gift, in a whatever, in a bank transfer. We want $50,000. So our whole prayer of get up and give us bread, we're praying it every two hours. 
Bread equals $65,000 equals $50,000 of a single gift. That's what we mean when we say bread, okay? And so we're praying it, and now it's rapid fire. And for the next month, every two hours, people are up on that mic, and they are praying. Now, a month is a long time to be praying for craziness. I just hope none of the parents visited because, man, it was a, it was a really wild time, uh, and we looked really, really foolish, and we're praying it every two hours like we really believe there's somebody on the other side of the microphone listening, okay? And we're praying, God, get up and give us bread. You know the $65,000, and Lord, let somebody give us a one-time gift of $50,000 in a, in a single chunk. And we're praying it over and over and over. So it's about a month later. Nothing magic. I don't think it was like right out a month. It was a month-ish. And uh, there were three of us at a 5 a.m. prayer meeting on a Sunday morning in this church. It was me, Luke Cooper, and uh, Joseph, Joseph Cabana. And Joseph was the usher, Luke was the worship leader, and I was prepping for a message, so I was just over on my laptop, just typing away. And when we walk in that morning, uh, you know, early in the morning, so we arrive, you know, I get there at like 440 or something. When I arrive, we've got our prayer leader podium, and there's this basket sitting on it. And the basket has got this, like, these big loaves of bread in it. And, you know, I see it, and I'm thinking, maybe the church here, because it's Sunday morning, I'm thinking maybe the church is, like, doing some, like, really elaborate you know, communion or something, like it's bread day, like everybody take a big old thing of bread and eat it. I don't know. I don't know what I think. I just think there's a lot of bread. Wow. Okay. So I don't give it a second thought. I just go and sit down. Uh, So at some point during the meeting, Joseph, who's the usher, he's making his rounds, he's doing whatever. He sees it and he kind of goes over to it and he kind of looks at it. He's like, I got to, I got to know a little bit more about this. And he looks in there and he sees that there's this black box underneath the bread. And so he's like, he looks in it, and he has a little realization moment. And then he goes over to Luke Cooper, who's leading worship, and he shows it to Luke. And Luke's like, you need to go show that to Brad. Go, go show Brad the bread. And so, so Joseph comes over to me, and I'm like really in the zone, typing or whatever. And Joseph comes over to me, and he goes, um, he goes Brad, do you see the, the basket of bread? I go, yeah, what is that? He goes, I think you, I think you need to see this. I go, Okay. He takes out the bread, and underneath is this black box, and he opens the box, and there's $50,000 in $100 bills in this black box with this bread. I start screaming, screaming uncontrollably. I try to calm myself down after two or three screams, but I am freaking out because there's $50,000 in $100 bills in this basket, and we're there at 4.40 in the morning. Who, how, where did this come from? How did this happen? $50,000. Now, some of you are naysayers. I might have married one of them. Not about the money or, the, or, or, or all that, but about the authenticity of the manna from heaven, I just would like to present to you exhibit A. This is the basket, and this is the bread. This bread is not moldy. It's hard as a rock. You could probably beat somebody down with it. But this bread is eight years old right now. This eight-year-old bread, and there's the black box. If you can kind of see it in there, I don't really want to disturb the bread. It likes to sleep. Uh, but in there's a black box, and in there, this is the basket. This is what was sitting 
on the podium just like this. This is exhibit A, the bread basket with the $50,000 in hundos at 4.40 in the morning when we've been praying. I freak out. We tell everybody, we are so excited. We have got the bread. We've got the $50,000. Now I know the Lord's going to come through on the rest of the money. Well, at that point, I think we'd had like, I remember it being somewhere like around $645. It might have been a little more, a little less, but that's the number that's running in my head. I think that's how much money we had collectively raised in a month was 600 bucks. But now we've got 50,600 bucks. So we're on our way here. I get an email two days later after this bread craziness. I get an email from somebody who doesn't know that this just happened. And they, they email me and they say, hey, listen, Brad, um, now they have no idea that this just happened, okay? I say, listen, um, I want to give the prayer room $15,000. I've got uh, it in a, in a particular kind of an account, and the way that it works, I can only pull out $5,000 a month. But I want to give the prayer room $5,000 this month, $5,000 next month, and $5,000 the month after. But I'm good for, for $15,000. I want to give $15,000. And I just shake my head and I go, in two days, we got $65,000. We've been praying, God, get up and give us bread. Get up and give us bread. He got up and gave us the bread, 65000 and two big loaves of bread that won't die. 65000 in, in two days, or at least pledge for it. That was, that was shocking. That was the Lord saying, I am with you. When I lead you, I will provide for you. I have a plan. Okay, well now, we think we're in the clear. We didn't realize our journey, our battle was just beginning. Now, I don't want to go into all the gory details, but I've got to give you at least enough or this won't make sense to you. The town of Pantigo is very small. It has its own mayor, its own water system, police force, own city council, all that, okay? So the town of Pantigo, which we're in, operates independently from Arlington. Okay, and at the time, I don't know what we had done. I don't know what people had heard. I don't know what was going on, but somehow or the other, the town council, the mayor, the city officials, the fire, uh, the, the fire chief, the city inspector, they thought we were bad, like really bad. At first, I heard reports they thought we were Muslim because we were doing 5 a.m. prayer meetings. And then after we cleared that up, they were sure we were a cult. And then I don't know that we ever really cleared that up, but then they just decided we were bad and they didn't like us. Now, the way that we heard about this in the most firsthand way, I don't know how many people were on the city council. Let's say six. Well, one of them pulled me aside, like found me, like tracked me down and said, and in person told me, he said, hey, I'm on the city council and I think what you guys are doing here is great. The rest of the town hates you guys, and they are committed to put you out of business. They go, what? Why? What do we do? Well, they thought you were Muslims, and I told them you weren't, and then, then they thought you were a cult, and I told them you weren't, and, they, and, da, 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 and I was like, how do I defend this? He goes, there's nothing you can do. He says, I just want you to know, like you, he told me, he said, you might want to find another building because they are gunning for you. And I'm like, I, no. This is my building. Mine. I'm like, you can't have it. And so, so the first thing that happens is we start, and, and I don't remember the order. Did we hear this from the guy 
and then the bad stuff started happening? Or did the bad stuff start happening, and then we heard from the guy? I don't remember. All I do know is the city, which initially, as we first started having interactions, was pretty agreeable and gave us our special use permit uh, for, the, for the space, which was another miracle. The city, all of a sudden, like every time we were asking for anything, it was no, and also, this is bad. You need to fix this. You need to do this. This will be $10,000. They're not giving me the number. They're giving me a problem. I'm finding out from our contractor it's going to be $10,000. And they're like, and then you need to do this. You need to do this. And I know enough about, you know, buildings and stuff to know this is not right. And we've actually, at that point, we had somebody in our midst who their dad was a building inspector for a city. And he was telling us, all of this is illegal. They are you have a lawsuit against the town and you'll win it because they are doing things that are illegal. They are saying things they should not say. They're putting you in positions that they, don't, they shouldn't put you in. They're making policies and, and th th this is wrong. You have a lawsuit. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, do we sue the city? Because here's what happens. The $65,000 that we had to do the remodel, all of that got eaten up. A little bit of remodel, I'll say, $10,000 worth of remodel, maybe 20. The rest of it was all nonsense extra stuff they were making us do. So now the contractor who's supposed to be doing our remodel, we're now having to have him do all this other extra nonsense that the city is requiring before we can even do our remodel, okay? And I'm, I am livid about this. And I go, Lord, do we sue the city? And I just heard the Lord so clearly, do you trust me? I was like, that is the worst question you could ask me right now. Can we have a different conversation? Of course I trust you. I'm just livid about this. So I heard the Lord say, do you trust me? And I said, okay. Then we're going to ask you for $50,000 again. That's how we're going to handle this. And I just felt like, there. That's my answer. Do I trust you? So we changed rapid fire, and guys, this one was a tough one. Everybody had to work through, are we being greedy? God just gave us $65,000. Now we're praying for $50,000 more. Is this okay? Are, like, I don't want to keep praying on the mic for money. Like, it seems like we're try, trying to rub a genie lamp. Everybody had to work through all this. It was hard. And... I was the person that wanted to do it the least. But at the same time, I know we're cornered, and the Lord more or less told me not to sue. You know, the Lord's like, do you trust in chariots or do you trust in me? I'm like, oh, this is not good. So we changed the rapid fire topic, and I just got to tell you, where the first time we were praying for the $50,000, 65 total, everybody was more or less excited and faith was growing. This time, it's despair and agony, and nobody's happy, and there's no faith. And it's like, we are doing this because Brad told us it was a good idea to do this. And really, we're about ready to lynch Brad. And where is this building? Where is this building he promised us? It's like, I'm working on it. And so we pray for $50,000 again. And now it's, I don't know how long this goes on, some weeks. I want to say three weeks, another month, something like that. It might have been even longer. And... We're praying every two hours, and it's, again, where before there was joy, and this is the wind is completely taken out of the sail. 
and everybody's just doing it kind of rote. It's like, Lord, give us $50,000 more because, you know, it's hard and the city's mad and help. It's just really hard. It was, it was oppressive. That was my least favorite part of the process, actually, was this part. Well, one night, or no, one morning, I'm in the bedroom at our house, and I hear Amy from the living room yell, Brad, Brad, get in here. I go, what? I don't know. Is there like a snake? Like, what, what's, what's going on? And she goes, that! And she points at the backyard, and she says, that bag wasn't on the back porch just a minute ago. I walked by. It wasn't there. And now it's there. Who's in our backyard? Who did that? Where? What is that? And I'm like, well, I mean, I don't know. But in my mind, I'm thinking, we're praying for $50,000. Maybe it's $50,000. And so... So I go, I'll go, okay, well, I'll look. And, and she's like, okay, well, you know, be careful. And I'm like, I don't think people are leaving, like, I think it's okay. I can go get it. And so I, so I go out there, and I pick up this bag. And this bag says, oh, happy day. And I thought, that's a good greeting. It is a pleasant day, isn't it, Mr. Bag? And I look in there, and there's $50,000 in $100 bills on the back porch of my house and we just freak out and we tell everybody and now everybody's like it's scandalous it's hilarious it's impossible how has this happened twice $50,000 in the backyard it's unbelievable and so we go back to the contractor and I remember the contractor at this point he's just been working on these other things, and eventually he got done with those things, and we don't have any more money for him to actually do the remodel that we hired him for, so he stopped working. He went and got other jobs. So I call him back, and I go, hey, uh, you know how we got that $50,000, uh, you know, in the bread basket? He was like, he's a believer. He couldn't believe that story. He goes, yeah. He, I, I go, it happened again. He goes, no way. I tell him the story. He goes, listen, I'll finish up this job that I'm on. I'll be, I'll be done in like three days. I'll be back to work on whatever, Tuesday or next week. I'll be there. Well, great. So now he's back to work. City inspector comes in. City inspector comes in after we've been working on some stuff and some things that sh if there was ever a reason to say these particular things, it should have been said eight months ago by this point. Okay. But even then it's like, we got a clear bill at the eight month, at the eight month before Mark or whatever. They say, listen, um, we're going to need you to do this, 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 and this. And it's going to wind up being about another $35,000, maybe more. And we're, we're at the end of the race here. We're, we've not, we just got $50,000 a second time. I'm like, this, I can't believe it. I am so mad and I'm so disheartened. And the community, I'm like, I can't face them. I can't, I can't possibly face them again. And I'm like, this is just, it's horrifying. And I go, Lord, we are suing this city. I hear the Lord say, do you trust me? <laughs> I'm changing rapid fire again. That's how I'm going to deal with you. That's, that's how this is going to go. Because I don't know what to do with that. So that's what I'm going to do. Don't trust in chariots. Fine. No chariots. Just you. It's just you. If everybody thinks I'm an idiot, they all leave. Because I'm asking for more money, then they're just going to leave. Because that's what we're going to do. So I don't know the exact amount. So I don't say $50,000. I just say a bunch of money. 
I say, we're going to need a bunch. And when somebody's like, how much? I was like, well, looks like it's going to be at least 35000 I don't know. I don't know how much it is. Let's ask God for a bunch of money. He's already done it. He seems to know what he's doing. He just keeps writing checks from heaven somehow or the other. I was like, let's just ask him for a bunch of money. Now, at this point, this one's a little, actually a little easier than the last one. A little bit. Because everybody's like settled into scandal and is just okay with it. So, like, last time, everybody kind of had to work through, we're we asking for money, is that okay? And now it's like, God just keeps giving us money, let's just keep doing that. And so it's like, and we just saw him do it twice, and so, so while it was scandalous, and we still didn't want to tell the parents, like, at least we were, we were kind of on board together, and it's like, God's doing this, I guess he's going to do it again. And I kept telling people that the Lord was like, do you trust me? And yes, I know we could sue the city, yes, I know we could win, but then also, we would then win against a city that then we now have to operate in their jurisdiction for the years to come of a city we just sued and won. How, how's that going to go for us, you know? So anyway, so we start praying for a bunch of money. It's like, Lord, help us because we have to do the most nonsensical thing imaginable. They, they make us put in four additional emergency exits after we already put emergency exits in when we went through the process of where do we need emergency exits. Now they're asking for four additional ones and where they want them are all through brick walls that then you're going to have to build, you know, decking and stuff, just stairs, all crazy stuff. I'm like, this is so expensive. You guys are the cruelest. Okay, so the contractor stops working, but this time he's hilarious. He says, that's okay. Call me when you get the money. That's what he said. This is exactly what he said. He said, okay, I will. But like, who is this guy? Like, this is not how contractors operate. So it's some weeks later, I don't know, maybe at this point it might have been another month or two. I mean, it's, it's a while. And uh, we're praying on rapid fire every two hours. God, give us a bunch of money. You already did 50000 twice. Give us another chunk. Some people are praying for fifty. Some are like, I don't know, a bunch of money. But we're praying every two hours, Okay. And uh, it's about 9 o'clock one night. Amy and I are at home. We're just sitting there on the couch, and all of a sudden we hear this knock at the door. Knock, knock, knock. And we weren't expecting anybody. And Amy's like, he's like, who do you think it is? And I was like, I don't know. Somebody is knocking. She's like, bring a bat. And I was like, Wait, I, who, what bad person is at the door? I don't, now I'm freaked out. Like, maybe, do I need a bat? Do we own a bat? I was like, and so, so I get to the door, and uh, as soon as I open the door, I hear this, somebody peeling out. I mean, straight up getting out of there fast. Okay. And I look down and there's this cookie tin. Now this was, let's see, when was this? This was like October. Okay. No, October or maybe, maybe early November. Anyway, I look down and there's this cookie tin and it says, this is Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I was like, it's October. That's a nice early greeting. I was like, I hope there's cookies in there. There weren't, much to my dismay. There was $40,000 in $100 bills on my front porch in a cookie tin. Now, I do have to tell you, each time we get these ridiculous amount of $100 bills, someone has to go to the bank with a backpack filled with cash. <laughs> bank of America for sure thought we were either laundering money or if not, for sure we were into drugs. <laughs> Where did the money come from this time, they ask? Oh, our director found it on his front porch. <laughs> sure he did. Flag, flag, 
$40,000 in a cookie tin. That time I swam in it. I put those $100 bills all over the ground, and I was just backstroke in it, all that. Castlin was living with us at the time. She was our roommate. We waited. We leave it out all over the floor in the living room for Castlin to get home, whatever, an hour later or something. And she walks in, and it takes her a minute because she's, she, I mean, because who thinks to look down on the floor for $40,000 in cash? She never saw it. And so I was like, hey, hey, you see anything? Do you see anything here? And she looks out. She goes, oh, my gosh. What is that $40,000? I don't know the number. She probably said fifty. She's like, is that, you know, a bunch of money? I was like, yeah. She goes, where? where? I goes, on the front porch. She goes, this is so crazy. She couldn't believe it. She's freaking out. So we tell everybody. Now everybody's excited because, man, this thing is happening. We have got this. We have got the Lord is just showing up in the craziest ways for us. And the city is irked because they have played their last card. They have tried everything. We're hearing back and forth from the city council member that liked us, that was on our side, that the meetings they're having are scathing, angry conversations about how they're trying to put us out of business by causing all this stuff so that we won't move into Pantigo. I mean, all this. And eventually, they have run out of every option that they can try. They have gone overboard. I mean, at this point, they are probably even feeling convicted. Like, you've charged us I mean, $100,000 or $80,000, whatever the number is, of nonsense that we shouldn't have to do, and we would have lawsuits against you. Okay, so we do the rest of the work. We get to the very end, and we're about ready to move in, and they play one more dirty card on us, and we just fly through it. It's not a monetary thing. It was something crazy I don't even want to go into. But we, we, we like soar through this thing. And we have a bunch of help, and we get all the stuff done that we need to get done in, like, 10 hours. It should have taken us a week. We got it done in 10 hours. It was the wildest thing. All these people came to our aid from other churches, an elder board at one church. All these people came and helped us do all this crazy stuff that had to get done because the guy said, I'll be back tomorrow, and if you can get it all done tomorrow, uh, before tomorrow, then I'll pass you. But otherwise, it's probably going to be a while because I've got a really busy schedule. So I'm like, he gave us a timeline that was 100% impossible, and we met it. He shows up the next day, and he's shocked. It's all over his face. And he's trying not to show it. And this is what he says to me. Well, got to give you guys half a compliment. You did, you did okay. You did pretty good. Meaning, I'm flabbergasted. I can't believe you got all this done. I gave you 100 to-dos. I knew there was no way you'd get it done. You got all of it done. This is impossible. Who are you people? That's really what he's saying all over his face. So we get some people put their certificate of occupancy out because they have to. We put ours out as a proud merit badge. (laughs) Ours is in the lobby, except for this moment that it's in this box. Ours is in the lobby as a reminder of the impossible, the way the city stood against us and the Lord prevailed. And he asked, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And I'm going to give you one last story about do you trust me? Because it ends in a most unusual way. About as we were nearing the end of our uh, remodel process, which that process should have taken three months, it went on for more like 10, okay? As we're nearing the end of the remodel process, a church moved in to the building next door, a church that was renting from the, uh, the office suites next door. And that church was being dealt similar fits as we were being dealt. 
like all sorts of made-up stuff. And, of course, they're emboldened now because they've gotten by with all this nonsense that they've been doing us. So they're doing it to that church. Well, that church ain't taking none of it, okay? <coughs> that church, about the time we close on the building, sometime, or, or not close, get our CO and move into the building, about that time, somewhere in that time frame, that church sues the city of Pantigo. And here's how I find out about it. I open my, uh, my news one day on my web browser, and I see national news. This is the national news. It made national news. Town of Pantigo, Texas, in the Dallas area, sued for religious discrimination by local church. The town of Pantigo, which wants this reputation of being poo don't stank, I mean, just everything posh, nice, best place to live, you know, upper class, this, rep this reputation is being tarnished. They are getting the biggest black eye imaginable, and it's national headline news. And I hear the Lord say, do you trust me? And I went, you are on the throne. We didn't have to sue the city. They got sued. Now, check this. Everyone in the city, mayor, town officials, city council, they all got fired because the town had to keep its reputation. So what the town did was the town blamed these bad people that are in these positions. We need to get rid of these bad people and put in good people. They won't be like the bad ones that don't really represent our values and our, our thought processes. So the whole the whole lot of them got fired. <laughs> fired. And new people were put into place. And actually, the new people were very kind and were reasonable and, and all that stuff. Plus, they also had looking over their shoulder like, whatever you do, don't be like the last ones because, you know, you'll get your pink slip too. Okay? So the Lord totally went to bat for us. I've got one more detail to share and then we'll wrap up. So worship leader, you can come on up. The Lord, he, he fought for us. He took care of us. He gave us the craziest story to be able to get into this building. He fought for us. Remember how I told you we bought the building for $250,000? That was the price, which was a really great deal on the building. Well, I was going to be telling this story tonight, right? So I decided, you know, I'm going to go and look today at the Tarrant County Appraisal District, and I'm going to see today, 2023, whatever, summer of 2023, how much is this building worth today? However many years later, you know, eight years later from when we bought it, $1,028,858 is the current appraisal on this building. Quadrupled our investment. It's over a million dollars. We paid two fifty. dollars It's over a million. That's the Lord, folks. That's the Lord redeeming. So... Oh, we had to pay 50000 The Lord's like, here's a million. <laughs> wah, wah, baby. A million dollars in eight years. Now, I share all this because we need to remember this is the God that we serve. This is who is in charge of the prayer room. This is the one calling the shots. This God is the one giving us the storyline, giving us the dreams, giving us the clarity. And when, not if, when we move into a new building, when we need a new building and when, when all the Lord moves in all the ways, we're going to wind up interacting with this God.
Now, I hope, got my fingers pre-crossed, I'm pre-praying, we don't have to go through a bunch of nonsense. Hopefully we already earned that merit badge and we don't need it again. But whatever the scenario is, this is the one who is pulling the strings and who's in charge. The God who does all of this. So I want to encourage us to remember who he is, to believe he'll be that again, and to keep building the assignment that the Lord gave us like crazy. It wasn't about a building. It was about the Lord supplying for a group of people that were doing his will. We're building night and day prayer because that's what he told us to do. Let's just keep building night and day prayer, and the Lord will continue to supply for us. This concludes this teaching from the prayer room. For more resources, please visit our website at tprdfw.com. Thank you.